here with Dom today, Origins Nutrition. Uh, one of my favorite people to speak to, a guy who you know is going to put it all in, uh, in everything that he does. Bit of a different theme today. You usually know Dom from his uh, holistic protocols, experimenting with different styles of eating, uh, massive backflips, massive handstand push-up uh, feats, and now recently uh, a bit more on the skating and that sort of stuff. But I want to go on a bit of a different tangent and theme today that might be helpful. Um, I'm pretty sure Dom and I really resonate with each other because we're both in search of freedom and taking whatever steps are needed to improve our quality of life, um, to be able to serve others by you know living by a great example, that, that kind of theme. This year has obviously changed things economically for a lot of people. And I know Dom has also made some changes based on what's going on in the world. So I want to talk a bit more about that today, like your views on money, what you're doing with business. Um, is it ethical to make money? You know, some of these kind of uh, topics that people sometimes get their panties in a twist uh, in the in the movement and nutrition space. If you uh, if you have a business and and you um, you know you value what you do and those sorts of things, so I'd love to hear a bit more about you know what's changed for you this year economically. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been yeah it's been pretty crazy change. I've seen um, myself move away from more of the movement and online coaching space, trying to really tame that down. Um, as you've known for me, I've always focused on more high ticket visualize small number of people rather than on uh, large traffic. Um, but I'm still, I've been diminishing that a bit and focusing more on business on the ground. Um, everything that I've been working towards here has been more, not only based around my freedom, you know, wanting to spend more time on just focusing on skills that I enjoy doing in life. But um, a lot of the, the business ideas were around also helping set people and one of those things for me, one of the main things for me in business that I knew I was eventually going to be heading towards in the nutrition world was food security. So now I'm working with, you know, getting cattle, breeding cattle, um, delivering meat to people. So still the very essence of how my business started, the nutrition, the holistics, but now working closely with the land and making sure that people have food security. Because one thing I see from this whole change in the world is how we don't have we don't have the security. Most people financially and food wise don't have any control over these two things, and I want control in in both. So it's the route I started going down. In. I remember you mentioned it, you know, when we were speaking last year, maybe when you were out in Australia across one of those barbecues or whatnot. You sort of said like, I'd, I'd love to you know, have, you want to be breeding the animals and you want to have a shop and supply chain. And I guess now that you've actually got the supply chain, like the breeding and there's, there's like more of a, you know, those two pieces will fit together, right? Like you want to tell us a bit about like how you're actually, how, how you've done it. Like you, it seems like it's up and running, delivering uh, amazing meat to the people of Bali, like in a pretty short turnaround. Like, can you tell us a bit about what, how that's come about? Yeah, so literally uh, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine who's a client of mine. He's been carnival for a while, so he knows the importance of me, really likes me. And we just started talking and we're like, this whole COVID crap and having a conversation around it. And it was like, you know, it's there's, there's so many people here that can't afford um, some of the food that's been sold that I have no idea where the food's coming from. And just generally 
there's been a diminishing traffic of what foods have been coming in and whatnot. Import export has changed a lot from the lockdowns and everything, especially from Australia being um, next door to us. And we were thinking, well, you know, he was. He looked at me as like, you have all the people who know you for, you know, sourcing quality, being on top of the nutrition. So you have that about you. And he is a uh, owner of many restaurants here, okay. and. So he knew all of the suppliers. He knew everything from. We just put the idea up. And we're like, wouldn't it be good if we could get all of these suppliers to bring down their costs, get all of the finer sources, and be able to make it affordable and package up for people? And it meets that when people come here, they they can't find only a certain amount has to be bought and to certain businesses. And then we got together again. And we're like, this makes sense. Let's just try that out for a few. It's the two of us out of out of one house and one kitchen um, restaurant. Just started putting all of these packages together. I started doing the nutritional breakdowns. He did the costing. Started to figure out what's um, the most nutrient dense and affordable for people that would last them a week at a time. And, and that's how uh, the company Hunters began. And now it's snowballing and going into now we know people with land. We know people with cattle. We know where the imports from. We know meat that's being really well raised regeneratively in Sumatra and West Java, and started bringing all of these in. Started making these accessible to people, and now we're we're even buying entire cows and starting perhaps the breeding process of making our own breeds here and putting a full regulation on how how it's done. And then we're going to be able to provide this with no middleman straight to the people of Bali. It's a massive, uh, massive progress in a short period of time, huh? It's been two months. Are there many people doing the regenerative, uh, using regenerative methods there in, in Indonesia? Are they Indonesians or are they people that have moved from other spots? Or they're, they're, they're Indonesians, but a lot of it's um, also managed by, by foreigners. Yep. So there's there's a handful here, and we we're, it's funny that we are all very well connected already, because they like the mission of what I'm doing also, and obviously, yep. um, our connections here have grown very big over the last um, year and a half, and it's like uh, what I've been doing is I've been taking the focus away from my coaching, and I I had to drop the fear of the certainty of of what I had already. And say, you know what, I need to diminish this. I need to be more selfish with my time and put into something that I'm more, I guess, more excited about and that I find more important. And that gives me the freedom to make the skills and the connections and invest my time into it. So at the loss of one business that I've built up over uh, seven, yeah, seven years now, I'm now going creating this new one with, uh, and as you've seen in two months, when you don't have the fear of losing what you've already got and putting all your time and attention to something you're excited about and that you know is more purposeful, it flourishes very quickly. Or, or it fails very quickly, but, you know, you, you kind of already knew you are onto a good thing, right? You, you know, you've got some really good connections there. The thing oh, is, yeah, like, there's, there's, no, of- <laughs> there's no real risk yeah, because you, you've already built that business. You know how to run that sort of business. It does take some effort, but because because it's a low numbers business that you have, 
if you did decide to pick it back up, it's not really like, you know how to do that. You, you know, you know, you could go back to everyone who you've ever worked with and say, what's up? Like, this is the new deal. Are you interested in working together? Like it's, there's really not that much risk. I think people overestimate, like if they're working as a lawyer and they think, well, if I tried to start this other thing and it didn't work, I, I asked them, you know, well, if you wanted to get a job again in what you're doing now, like, could you get a job? And they're like, yeah, easy. I'm like, well, what are you scared of then? You really need to just be able to cover yourself for six months to try something else and see if you can swim. Otherwise, you just go back to where you were. Like, it's not yeah. you know, it's not that crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's very calculated in that sense. It's definitely the same here. It's very calculated. I mean, I, I do yeah. try things to be able to move on to that. But one of the main things that I learned, which I had never really understood, never really practiced, and it's something I'm learning now through all of these different business partners and working in these different fields, is that, when you're doing this, like literally just be as simple as and basic as possible. And I always came into business where I need to have everything legit. I need to have everything like 100%. I need the branding all perfect. Literally, my business partner was like, nah, just literally start with the bare minimum. And then when the money comes in, then you can assess where to put that money and how much you grow it and how quickly. You know, so in the first few weeks, it was literally just an Instagram page two dudes doing everything themselves and then in four weeks oh it has a brand now it has a website it has had its photo shoot and now it's well known and now and now we have a staff and they do all the packaging we have everything like done into this perfect system and yeah something i had to i had to really learn i was always uh like so you know if you don't have everything in place it's not going to work and but no so you can actually you don't have to throw so much money into something straight away yeah, like what? How much did you invest? What was your upfront budget investment to get the project off the ground? Uh, it was five million rupiah between two people. Okay, What's, so how much that's, is that in? That's five hundred Aussie dollars between two people. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to go and take out a loan with the bank, or what? <laughs> yeah, right. That was my dead body on that one, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like uh, I try, I try not to go down the route of anything like that. And, and this is something I thought, you know, like obviously not as big as a bank loan or anything, but you know, I thought I was like, okay, I have this money saved up, and yeah. my idea was like, let me just throw as much of it as I can into it, get it just booming. And the guy was like, oh, no, no, hold on a minute, like literally, just just get the bin minimum and grow by response. And that's something that has been amazing, growing by response rather than idea and forecasting and all of this stuff how long is your business business plan how many pages is that document oh, on this one like it's only like four pages <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i'm in the uh i'm teasing because it's like people want to just do so much procrastinating bullshit that they have no idea exactly what the business is going to look like because they haven't done it yet. So it's like, yeah, you could make all these forecasts of, you know, we're going to have this many customers and this supplier. And some people can operate in that way. But I think when you're going into a new space, like you guys are creating something that doesn't really exist. Like there's me, but there isn't like this, you know, passion of certain products, certain, you know, it's a, it's a new product yeah. really. And it's a new thing that probably hasn't been delivered to Bali, you know? So That's how do you it. know how it's going to go? Like, yeah, I mean, like, when I say, like, four pages, those four pages as well, it's more like just the outlines of what we aim to achieve, 
yeah. um, literally what we mean by the business, what the business stands for. And then like just a little bit of accounting, a little bit of um, numbers and what we need to reach mm. and how we need to market. Mm. And I, I was really ready to complicate that way more. And, and I've learned, I learned a lot very quickly now, especially in these times. Like right now there's a lot of opportunity, but if you're procrastinating and, you know, trying to guess what the next year and what's going to be rather than focusing on what's needed now, how much you need to keep taking it over and then going by the response. But yeah, it's interesting. It sounds like you've mentioned a couple of times there, you've got someone else there that you're bouncing ideas with that you're partnering on, on this with, like you want to, um, how's that been? Cause I'm like, I see you as like a fiercely independent self-reliant, you know, guy. Um, how are you going with working together with someone else on that? Talks about the, the dynamics and how that's feeling. Um, it's been interesting because um, so it was just the two of us at the beginning, and now yeah. there's five of us. So it's, yeah. a, it's a team of five now that are invested and, and part of the okay. team. But one thing that um, was made clear is that there should only be one captain, so only one captain. And um, I am that captain, and it's it's really good that coming to learn this role, it's like, all right, you're the captain. So all decisions have to be passed by you. And, but it's being able to, I've had to learn to be really humble and whether I have my headstrong decision of what it looks like, where it's going to be, it's been now I've having to be able to listen to other people, whether I've already got a thought or not. And actually it's been, it's been really good because I will, I will come up with an idea, I'll come up with a direction, but I'll hear the people out first. And obviously that direction grows so quickly within the space of the meeting and doesn't necessarily change the direction, but helps influence the decision I made in so many better ways, how to make that decision come to life. That, that kind of makes sense. It's like, uh, just, I guess, just being humble. It's humbled me down to the ideas of others, but it's still, they made it very clear. My business partner is very clear about that. Always, no matter what, there should only be one person that calls the shot. And oftentimes, even like when there's friends in the business, even though we're all friends, they try and make it very equal. And so it's going back and forth with nothing happening rather than one person making the decision. And I've understood that now, but still um, open ears for, for, for all of the team. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you've got a good setup there. Okay, that, that makes sense as a structure. Whenever I hear about 50-50 partnerships, it's always like, what, and what's the get-out clause? Like, and how does it work when you break up? Because partnerships break up, that, that's the reality. They always do. It's, it could be when one person dies, but at some point it ends, you know, like, so yeah. what's going to happen at that point if you don't map it out? then it's, it's, you know, it's not good. And in the 50-50 type deal, it's, it's often a lot harder than, you know, if there's a clear, you know, if one of these guys decides to opt out, like it's not necessarily a big deal if, you've, if you're clear about how it works, you know. So. Yeah. I mean, this is all very new to me because obviously as Origins, I didn't have to listen to anyone's ideas or anything or consult anyone about what I wanted to do. I just went ahead and did it. And I even learned from my mistakes, so I flourished from it and then didn't think anything of it, right? But um, but now, like, um, I went into that idea. So I was with my partners, and I, so we're we're fifty fifty, 
So therefore, we've all come up with ideas and we all discuss them. And he was very quick to say, no, we may be 50-50 in the share, but you're the captain, you're the voice and the image. So whatever you say goes, but whatever the rest want to do, we have to discuss it and you take it into account and then make the decision from there. And your decision is final, which I was very surprised. You know, I wasn't expecting it to be like that, but it, it, it works, you know. Everyone gets a fair, fair um, hearing and voice in what they want to bring to the table, and then it's all discussed. And at the end of the day, I say whether I think it works or not. It's, it's, been, it's been a very good system. It's funny. I've, I've sort of come to a bit of the same situation myself, you know, uh, with the new project I've launched with Elite Money Club. It's with an, an older guy who's got a lot of experience in business, and it's a very, very similar scenario that we've gone through. Like he's advising and whatnot, but he's always like, you know, it's your deal. You, you call the shots. Like it's, it's, your, it's your project, your audience. Like it's you, but I'm here to help. And he's been, you know, really supportive and he steered me away from, you know, a few new shiny objects that pop up and, and whatnot, like um, just really gently. So it sounds like we've kind of landed on this, you know, similar sorts of guides at a, at a similar point in our journey kind of thing, which is really interesting. Um, yeah, it seems also. Is this guy uh, older than you as well? More experienced. Yeah, like early early sixties. You know, he's, he's, ah. he's yeah, he's done it all sort of over the last twenty years. You know, it sounds a little bit like your guy with a bunch of restaurants there in Bali. Like he's had his wins, and now he's sort of he knows. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> funny that we're both. And like he's older than me, and he he knows this system. He knows already how it goes down in business. Yeah, yeah thinks that this is the system, and. Uh, many people should take no when you go into partnership with people it's a completely different ball game and there should only be one voice makes the final calls if not you can end up going in circles and just quarreling yeah yeah and so where's it going tell us a bit about the vision of it like it's obviously expanding all the time and we're not going to hold you to this because who knows what tomorrow brings but like where does this go if it goes to plan so the way we're going, um, we actually just had meetings about it today. Um, so we're setting up, hopefully, eventually, we found places that are going to process the cattle, but we want to actually build our own our own processing area. And then we want to build a, uh, a butchery restaurant off the side of it so people can come and see and learn the whole process of how the cow is completely processed. And then you pick your cuts right there and then, and then next door, we cook it for you. Love it. So, that's 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 one of the beautiful visions we have and then obviously we want to anything i do here and i'm moving away from online so i want to be more grounded here i want the people here to also be doing better and doing more so rather than growing bullshit crops that don't serve them very well and they slave away growing i want them to be raising cattle for us under a good contract where they're going to be making triple the amount of money they normally make they're going to learn something valuable then, because they're the rightful landowners and we don't have to own the land, we only own the cattle and they manage it, they will have this beautiful, fertile soil to do whatever they want with. And then we carry on making an export from Bali rather than Bali always importing. We want to be able to make export. Are people passionate about that vision as well of Bali exporting rather than importing? Like, does that capture people's hearts and minds? Well, the people that we're connected if yes so we've got the right tribe already it's all happened very quickly can you talk to us a bit about the like so 
I'm talking about it like where there's a room full of people. Like I'm curious of like the the details of the land production economically and then even like calories like versus or I guess we're talking about rice patties and stuff like that or, you know, those kinds of things versus like I understand I think a decent bit of the soil science of how like the soils are going to be better if you're not just taking everything away from it but you're actually, you know, putting back into it. Like what about the money? What about the, like the calories like um, being produced from a field? You know, uh, can you, yeah, tell me a bit about what you're um, like how you guys are explaining that. Yeah, we're getting more into the thick of that now as well. So we're trying to show, like, I get everyone's hyped around Sacred Cow at the moment as well. You watched that as Just well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That did a beautiful job of explaining the soil fertility and the methane um, cycles of production. Obviously, they're still sold on, like, a module of global warming, all of that stuff. So you can see that essence there. But um, they did a good job of explaining how um, pound for pound, if you're comparing... Um, the raising of beef and how much beef you can raise per area of land that you're getting way more nutrition from beef than you are from like rice and stuff like that. But um, what a lot of people aren't talking about is that actually, if you look at the production of soy and rice, the actual methane emissions that are coming out from that and that are actually destroying the, the, the rivers around and destroying all of the habitat around is something that they didn't really cover much at all. So if you think about, um, if you, you ride around Bali and you see all of the rice paddies everywhere and the amount of decay and methane that's coming out of that and then the amount of water that's having to be pushed around and used for that when you could be using for cattle instead and actually would help clean a lot of the rivers around. Obviously, there's a big pollution problem here also. Yeah. But I think starting further up, if we turned a lot of that land to rumen agriculture and help the soil and all the runoff, yeah. then we can actually help a lot of the, the rivers become better quality here also. And then that's actually going to help a lot more of the fishing and a lot of the wildlife in the rivers. So not only are we getting a higher nutrient intake from the animal products being raised there, but we're also being able to fish more. So it's, it's going down the food chain a lot more. And it's something that most people don't know here is that if you look around, I'm not sure if many people notice, they'll see a lot of the locals like fishing around the rice fields. You ever notice that? I, I haven't spent a lot of time in Bali, so I haven't really, yeah, I haven't really seen that. Yeah. But the more the, um, the water's polluted and the more the, the rice fields and the, the runoff of the land is breaking away and wearing away because the, the fertilizers for the rice fields are running off to the water, all of those fish, all of that aquatic life, the eels and everything in the rivers are dying off. Yeah. Are they using a lot of chemicals or is it just um, like, is it, is the chemicals they're using in their, you know, rice fields and whatnot, or is it simply just the, what, what it does to the soil? And um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot of chemicals. Yeah, yeah. It's like most people don't see it, but when you're living here all year round, even through the different stages, they're spraying a lot of crap in the field. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's destroying it's destroying the soil here also and just wreaking havoc into the rivers here and that's running off into the ocean. Is anyone so doing like traditional? Is anyone sorry? doing traditional rice paddy stuff with the, where they get the ducks in and they have you know? Is anyone doing like that permaculture style you know approach to rice? There's there's a few places that are that are using the runner ducks. 
and they also use the they use the little fish as well yeah to eat around the rice paddies but it's it's not that many and it for so much work that they're using that you're getting very little calories yeah. nutrients from as opposed to when you could be doing it with the ruminants yeah it's it's just ridiculous so all of that effort i'm not even sure what happens to the ducks actually as well yeah, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. So I'd like to start getting into the into the duck farming as well and using them in the field, also creating more biodiversity. Yeah, that could be a good win if you can, you know, even for the people who want to stick with the rice for a while, if you can try and get them off the chemicals and you know, maybe show show some of that stuff. But I'm I'm sure you've got tons to do already. But it's um yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I mean, I, I'd like to get them away from it completely because. Yeah. They're, they're not making all that effort. They're not really making much at all. Yeah. No. So, yeah, if, they're gonna, if they make more money, then they can go and buy shitty quality rice that they're making anyway. It's not like they're subsistence farmers now anyway, is it? Like they're, they're more it's – it's a cash crop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, like, if you think of – if we can make – I guess the main thing for the question was as well, like if we can get more ruminant farming here, and make the beef the more rich, calorie-dense, nutrient-dense meat available at a cheaper price for the locals. I'm sure a lot more of them, although some are Hindu, so they won't be eating it anyway, but for the rest of the population that do eat it, it can make beef more affordable because they can't afford the beef here. Yeah. So uh, the goal would be to be able to make it more affordable for them here also, for everyone. So the end goal with hunters, really, and the whole business plan is, it's food security because the way I see things with like how Corona's going and the restrictions and what happened with a lot of the meat plants and what I see them attacking next year is going to be land usage, small farms and the amount of meat that we're able to produce. And then we're all pretty, pretty much at a bad stage if they can get control of all of that. Mm. I've been thinking about it here on Sark as well, you know, because obviously this place has been relatively self-sustaining for thousands of years like there have been people here i think the oldest grave sites are like two three thousand years old you know the oldest remains that they've found here so it's been inhabited for a long time and it wasn't always dependent on amazon and you know stuff being shipped over from the uk um so right. it's like and then i just sit like there's no pat like it looks as though there's not a lot of passion for you know, food production here now because everything just comes in from the supermarket, same as everywhere else in the world, you know. Um, yeah. But I'm curious about, like, because there are a bunch of, like, there are quite a lot of sheep here um, and there's some cattle and there's geese and turkeys, some goats, um, some chickens. Does the, when you do regenerative agriculture, like, and so do you want to, like, can you explain, uh, like, your understanding of kind of, like, where does it come from? What is it? Like when you say regenerative agriculture, like what does it mean to you? Mm. So regenerative in the sense that is that we do it in a controlled system though, but that completely mimics nature. Yeah. So in a way it's, it's all about acreage as well. Like if you've got a good amount of acreage, which here in Bali, there's people, there's farmers with many acreages and it's, as far as the accuracy of rice, for example, now, for me, the regenerative purpose is if you're going to be doing um, crops also, is making sure that you can get livestock in and around it 
and rotate it properly as the seasons change and as the grass is eaten. So the regenerative part is, is making the animals flow in a pattern even better than what nature actually allowed it to do. So by moving them from field to field at the right times of growth so that they can ensure the, the root structures in each plot of land is strong and also that they're making sure that the, the nutrients of the manure, of the blood and stuff is circulating for all of the soil. So by doing that, what, we, what we're trying to achieve is a biodiversity of bacteria, fungus, parasites, um, insects in each um, acre of land continually all year round. So that's, that's what regenerative is. So every year, you're not only making good animal products, but you're fortifying the ground for the, next, um, for the next offspring of that cattle and so on, so that you can continue doing this for a limitless amount. So you're going to get more, like, so if, if the, uh, the, like the theory is partly that you keep the animals more healthy because they're not eating where they shit as well, right? Like, so they're moving on as if they were, because animals are always moving on in nature with moving away from wolves, with migrating for different climates, et cetera. So we've domesticated exactly. these animals that don't really know how to live out in the wilds anymore, and they also need predation. Um, so that all the vegan stuff, like the circle of life, doesn't really permit that view of let the sheep run free, uh, et cetera. Uh -huh. But so we've, we, when we're doing that, though, are you actually able to um, have more animals on the same amount of land, or is it basically the same amount of animals you know, with regenerative versus like where most people would just have a massive field and let the let them run free and eat wherever they want each day, where the, the regenerative agriculture will tend to like fence them in and move them from one patch to the next so that they're they're following like this more natural herding, which they would have done if they if there were predators around and if they weren't domesticated animals, right? Like that's the the kind of concept. Do you know if there's actually like more meat production per land or is it mostly just like that this the soil gets better like from your uh yeah so it's not so much about raising the the yield of of your meat of your end product but it's more like if you let them do it as naturally like if you hey, here's one huge field one whole open acreage right and you let them do it you'll find that the cattle won't manage it properly by themselves so there'll be some areas that are overly eaten some areas that are overly grown and some areas that um yeah just haven't even been touched before they even move on so by controlling the amount of time that they are in each section and monitoring how far they get through of it actually increases the quality of the field for the next for the next feeding and also increases the quality of that soil so actually it's 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 better done when we actually intervene and manage it a little bit closer yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. So you were talking a bit about like the vision, that vision for the restaurant, people being able to kind of really get as close to the process as possible and seeing, you know, choosing their cut directly from the animal, getting the cuts to people that they usually wouldn't be able to get, helping meat become more affordable for the, the Balinese and giving them more cash if they want the cash, you know, they – they're going to have more money for their from their acreage um, than the more yeah. damaging method. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's to me, it's not really about money. It's um, it's more about security. I want myself 
if I am part of this business, I'm always going to have food. And I'm doing something where I can put my time to and I can do all my other stuff around it. So I always have time. That to me is the greatest wealth. So I have time and food. I'm a rich man. So now with that, if I can get other people to be food secure as well, then I'm doing my purpose for the world. Seeing where things are going, that to me is the key mission right now. Forget about um, proving theories of how the government's working against us or the COVID stuff at the moment or metabolic um, disease and all that autoimmune disease. If we can get food security and get people to understand how food is produced and how well it can be done to feed the population, all of that later down the line is solved. We give people the power back to raising and being able to access food affordably as right now they're trying to make meat too expensive for people and eventually completely diet out from our palates and, and accessibility. Um, to me, that's, that's the main thing. I want to be food secure and I want the people of Bali, I want the farmers here, I want everyone residing here to be food secure. And then at a grander scale, it's stop pushing it out to all of the nearby countries, which I can. Are you, uh, have you formed any partnerships around the regenerative farming sort of techniques and education, that, that kind of stuff? Or like how's, how do you see the farmer education piece going down? Yeah, this is something I haven't quite spoken about with many yet, but we have a few people here that are like more crewed up than I am with. I, I did biodynamics before, but we have people here that are biodynamic permaculture experts that are creating eco-villa, eco-farms, where they want communities of people living on the farm and uh, everyone living um, off the grids, you know, full sovereignty, um, living off the land, helping to take care of the land. So there's already a lot of these people here, which um, we're already connecting with. We'll hope that they will be leading the path with our company to showing the farmers the way and any expats that want to come. There's a lot of people um, running away from the Western Motors of Bali right now. Over 4,000 people have come in in the last few months. So there's a lot of people running away and coming here looking for that sovereignty, looking for that time as well, looking for that security and not to deal with the administrative and corporate agendas that are going on in their country. So these people you know, that we're going to bring together and are going to come and invest into these eco places, these eco farms, these sovereign lands where we're powered by the rivers, we've got the cows, we've got the the pigs, the chickens, everything. We've got the energy. Um, these are the kind of people that um, as we as that tribe grows, we'll start doing teachings and and uh, start contracting the, the locals to understand. And they're already doing great work with them, helping them understand how valuable their land is and not to sell their lands to build crap on. 100%. Have you, have you looked at, um, have you heard the Venus Project? Have you seen that um, Jack's, something in the Venus project. He was kind of a futurist. He's been on London Real a few times and a few few other things. Interesting guy. A big vision for the future. Um, he was talking about one of the things I was, I was watching him talk about the other day was uh, harnessing the power of volcanoes, saying like the, the amount of energy that's there inside of a volcano is enough to power, you know, anything, everything. And you think about it, like you, because I just uh, I was speaking this morning with Ian um, from Nirvana Strength, and he was saying how there's been volcanoes going off over there, um, and earthquakes and whatnot. Like that energy potential is actually all around us. Like 
obviously it's not going to be something that we can tap into in a startup project, but it's like, as these things gather momentum, like who knows what possibilities there really are. Like, obviously there's an agenda for fossil fuels and even battery power, you know, to be the dominant energy sources. But it, it seems obvious to me that there are other options that aren't being shown to us because there's just still so much money to be made in um, fossil fuels and, and that whole agenda. Like there's so much energy. You touched on the uh, global warming, um, but, you know, they're going to put those taxes and the scarcity on fossil fuels is, is you know, obviously part of sort of what's coming next. It's already been happening, but they've been threatening the end of oil. I read a book about oil in early 2000s that said like oil would be gone, finished by this time. And we've still been exponentially using more and there's ah. still... You know, oil mixed up left. most of the world. There's no scarcity on oil. It's one of the yeah. main liquids of this planet. It's crazy. Funny times. but it, So you've kind of circled around from... Uh, obviously, you're still a, uh, an explorer. You're still going to be looking for truth about things. But you're saying you don't want to be putting as much energy into kind of beating people over the head with you know, this is the truth of the world at the moment, um, you know, focusing on something yeah. really concrete and tangible. You, you know, talk to us a bit about like how, you know, like how you're feeling just focusing in that way. Like I know you went pretty deep with the start of the COVID stuff, et cetera, as well. Like, Yeah, man. I mean, one, one thing that gave me a sign that I needed to invest my time into something else and move away from origins of vitality and the coaching was that I, I've lost the passion to keep trying to tell people stuff. I've, I've lost the excitement to um, teach and communicate to people all of what I've been saying for this so many years. And it's funny that, you know, you, you go through my Instagram, for example, or any of my lectures and stuff, there's information there that, is, that has proven to stand so much time and it's all there for people to read, but yet they don't. And the same thing keeps popping up over and over again. And there's only so much you can keep answering things you've already answered for many years. So I, I had to go more into the idea of what's, what's most important. Right? Are people going to keep battling ideas and conspiracies or keep battling on nutrition? Yeah, forever. So what's the next best thing? Focus on actually showing and walking the talk in food production getting out there and yeah from everything i've been seeing over over this last year how um the attention has been moving in society towards certain certain aspects um from what i see after this whole covid thing they're going to start attacking back food yeah and i've seen it in their plans i've seen it um I'm seeing it now already, you know, they're going to start talking about how, um, oh, certain practices are damaging the earth. Um, oh, our land's drying out. We need to, we need to do more of this chemical, that more of this monocrop in this. And I just want to be ahead of that before it, before it fully hits hmm. and get as many people on board before. Yeah. I think there are going to be a lot of people listening to this that are excited about the direction that you're, you're taking I, w I would encourage you, you know, like don't leave that other message behind. You know, you've got so much valuable stuff there. I think people still really do need to understand it. It's just, you know, maybe this leads, this is part of the other conversation I wanted to have with you anyway, Dom. Um, so you may as well have it live on the podcast. Is like, 
like you have so much so much knowledge and so much to share and it's it's so powerful and you know we've we've had some interactions with real movement like you've um you know you've met heaps of the guys and a bunch of the guys have actually you know done your protocols or they were on the the calls that you did for real movement like you made a massive impact on people at those things and i would say if i have a a skill or an ability it's like finding people who really have a powerful message and know how to share it and helping them to reach some other people who they might not have otherwise reached like that's my that's one of my you know big passions and i've kind of got someone for money with that at the moment i've got someone for knees and like you're you're the guy for, for food you know what i mean like you're the guy who gets it and has the passion for it and has you know you've got it all on the tip of your tongue like i've researched the same stuff a lot as well but you have a, a knack and a special ability for like making people go the extra mile with it. Like, and you go the extra mile with it. And that's, you know, that's something special. Like, so, you know, I brought you to, to see, uh, you know, Sonny, Sonny Bill Williams and, and Quade Cooper um, and offer like, and you made an impact on those guys where it just made sense from that point, you know, and, and they went harder with it. And then that's had a flow on effect to, you know, hundreds of other athletes experimenting with it. Some of those guys working with you and other ones just kind of trying to find their own, their own path to do it. Right. But yeah, um, I'd, I'd love to be able to put together something with you, a course where coaches can have some of this wisdom, you know, and um, I, I said it to you before, but I basically said, you know, give it to me for free and you'll get heaps more customers and clients. So it'll pay for itself. And now I see like you didn't, ex- you know, want, a lot more customers and clients and you know it, it wasn't it's not really where, where you're probably headed so it probably didn't really make any sense that kind of offer i still think it's a good model and i think it's kind of proven itself with ben and you know um everything he's given to real movement has paid for itself many times over with the growth of of his business um but I think, we, I think we need to do something, you know. I think we need to do something to, sh- to show people who are working with athletes, people who are working, you know, gym owners, et cetera. We need people to be able to listen to you. And I think I can help bring more coaches to you to, to listen to what you're talking about and potentially their members as well. You know what I mean? Like that's the exciting thing that I'm playing around with is like there are millions and millions of people out there who know they're being lied to about a lot of things, especially around nutrition. They want the truth and they, they do, you know, they want support to make a change, but they're going vegan or they're, you know, like they're yeah. watching game changes and they're doing it from the right heart. You know what I mean? They're doing it from like, I want to help the planet. I want to be healthier. I want to, you know, do the right thing for, for um, you know, for my family, et cetera. Yeah. Just getting the wrong information. You know what I mean? So I, I think we need to do something with this and, and, I, my, I'm more flexible in terms of what business structures you know we can do that under, but if it feels like with your shift in business, it's only going to be a positive thing to just bring more more eyes, more energy to everything that you do and the international expansion of what you're doing or people coming from around the world to to come and experience you know what what you're what you're building there. Like I think we should work something out to to uh, you know to share some of that. I think it's only gonna it's going to help your it's only going to support your long-term vision of, you know, get more people into to come and see what you're doing in Bali. But then if you want to expand internationally, and I already, I'm already thinking about a guy in Brazil who I think would really, really love to, to kind of be a branch of this in some way. And I'm interested in investing in these kinds of projects. Like if I've got any money, like 
it's better to put it into this than to have it sitting in investment things. You know what I mean? Um, you've got to look after financial future, but like putting money into what actually matters as well. And I'm pretty sure there are going to be other people listening to this thinking, how do I get involved? You know, where can I go further? One way I think is to coach the stuff. And then like the other side is like, how can we make more of these kind of projects? How can we link, to, link together with, with butchers and with farmers and, you know, yeah, I've, I've started in terms of the, the nutritional information stuff, I've started setting in place now and I already tested over the last few months um, how I'm going to give out the information and what I've realized that I'm, I need to do because I still, I still, you know, I still love nutrition and I still want the information to be, to be seen, to be heard, especially one of the main things I want to get rid of is the, the vegan agenda, right? And um, I'm, I'm doing so something you may be interested in. I'm doing more of like, I'm creating more like do-it-yourself manuals where it's fully yeah. in-depth with videos and you follow through. And if you don't get the result with all the information you're given, it's just because you plain ass lazy or you didn't give it your best. <laughs> so I'm trying to make something that's that bulletproof at the moment, you know, where yeah. your hand is pretty much held. You're just not going to be in contact with me every week. You just follow it through at your own pace. You take the information and then within that information that's given, you have the keywords. And from what I've put in the videos, you have enough to go and research further into areas that affect you more or that you're interested in more and learn for yourself. The one thing that has made me grow tired of this industry is that my programs were always written in a way and my way of coaching were always in a very direct manner where I wanted people to not just learn the nutrition, but also learn critical thinking so that when they've done the program, they can do changes and explore areas of their nutrition and how they want to do things by themselves. And the problem was that, let's say out of 100 people, only in like 60 of those 100 people actually got that point. Yeah. Yes, maybe 90, 90 something people out of that 100 people got the result they wanted. They removed their issue, whatever. But after leaving the program, a lot of them were still either needing help or, or still going back to old patterns and, and old mistakes that got them in the problems in the first place. Or they'll go and talk to somebody else and get discouraged of what they're doing or you know, pressure from family and friends. So this is something that, that kind of got me to start changing my path also. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I think that's, that'll do really well and I think it'll, it'll help a bunch of people and there'll always be a demand uh, for that. And yeah, I think like I'd love to do a piece with you that's like for the coach, you know, because I think there's, as you say, like we're being taught to look for the authority figure to give us the information, give us the truth, what should I do? You know, we haven't been taught to think, yeah. we've been taught to remember. Like the school system is built around remembering. It's not built around thinking and critical thinking. So, you know, good luck. You know, it's, it's difficult for you to yeah. create within your program, you know, and, and same with what I'm doing. Like I want the same thing. I don't want to give people like this is exactly the sets and reps that you have to do forever. I want people to develop a, a learn and do it, right? set of experiences that, that guide their, their journey, you know, like um, – but yeah, I still think uh, I think there's something for coaches around this where you know a coach can feel like they've done the work and they've earned the right to be able to 
you know, speak about this stuff with authority. Of course, they can go and research it themselves. But some people are better researchers than others. And some people, you know, like you've put a lot of time and effort and energy into this for a long period of time. And you've been down many different paths with bodybuilding, eating, with, with vegan nutrition, with, you know, pull check work. And like you've, you've gone down so many paths that it's going to take someone, you know, 10, 15 years to get to where you are in terms of experiences as well as knowledge. And even then, you know, um, they may not have the same knack for truth and they may not, you know, they may not make it that far. You know what I mean? So like, I think yeah. that great things are done by building on the, you know, someone might take your work further if they're able to start from your endpoint kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like that's, I guess what Ben Patrick kind of did with Charles Poliquin's work in some ways in, in applying that more to, to knees and jumping, like he studied these work as deeply as he could. And then he took it in his own way. Um, some would see it as an evolution. It's just a, it's a different direction, right? But um, yeah, I think there's something really powerful there, and that's I guess what um, one of my things that I wanted to, to discuss with you, which you know we're doing it on the on the podcast. But um, this is I guess how this is another lesson in in business. We've been you know business theme for the podcast. Like most of the best things that have happened in my business just come from conversations and hanging out with someone and you know, and you kind of spitball on something and it doesn't really work. And then you come back again, or what about this? And, you know, it's sort of been, we've been in this game for like 12 months or something now, maybe where we, you know, we sort of know each other and we're doing things. Oh, it was 12 months ago you were in Australia, wasn't it? So it's been like maybe 18 months, two years. Oh, since it's more than that. Yeah. How long have we been? When did we get in contact? Like three years. Three years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Time flies, eh? When you're having fun. Time flies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you were you were living in England. You were, uh, you know, I saw you doing your doing your calisthenics. Um, you've been yeah, I was a Cali coach at the time. Yeah, you've been through so much. I don't even train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a bit of a, I've had a like a lull with training as well. Like with everything that's been going on, I launched this money program. Like we we moved countries and got you, you know. Yeah, but you've you've done a lot in a very small amount of time. When you've done a lot of things with your family. But um, I think one thing about us as well that um, to do with business and to do with the work that we do is that we don't really, we don't really have an identity around it all. And I think that's why we can, we can shape form so quickly and make moves so decisively and change so quickly. And it's, it's, it's a sort of freedom. I think that's key for business also. Maybe it's our personality type too. I think we have a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of commonality in terms of personality type. Like, you know, some people are kind of like that monogamous idea. Like you, you fall in love with one idea and like, that's the key, you know, that's the key idea for your future. And you ha they're happy to like, just be the guy for that idea. But I think that doesn't really, um, you know, that, that doesn't work for me. And I'm, what I'm seeing from you is it doesn't work from you either. Like, sort of want to be more evolving and trying new things. I don't think everybody no. has to be like that, like, but I think it's definitely our style and I think you need to be true to your style. If I tried to be Ben Patrick and just choose one little niche and just go hard as anything at that, I know I could make it work, but I'd be miserable and I have been miserable when I've tried to like pigeonhole myself. Um, so I think it's like that self-knowledge around what's actually going to you know, make, you, make you excited. Yeah, it's it's how I've always been as well. Um, they, like now, I don't I don't even train anymore. 
I'm so excited about other things outside of the gym, different movements and, and putting my attention to this business, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a crazy little evolution. You've been skating and surfing and whatnot as well, huh? Yeah. Like at the moment, my, my movement is skateboarding, surfing and, uh, riding motorcycles. The funny thing is like the idea of training is kind of bullshit anyway, right? Like it's, it's all just stuff that you do with your body. Like whether you're inside four walls or you're out in a field, like being a farmer, people will be like, oh, I don't train, but I've been like moving all these stones to build a wall. I'm like, Ooh, sounds like yeah, that's me. training. <laughs> like, it's, it's funny, right? I yeah. put up a story today that you, that you would love. I'm not sure if you saw it on my Insta. Um, it was like training 850 um, BC and it's like just guys oh. fighting with swords and stuff. And then underneath, it's like training 2020, a guy blowing a balloon and balancing against the wall. I was like, <laughs> that's so true. I, I did see it, man. I did see it. And that is probably what I would consider not training. There's a lot of like everyday activities that I would consider training. And then there's like stuff that just gets so funky that there's, I mean, whatever. Like people do whatever you want. But uh, yeah, it's, um, that's, yeah, it's cool. But I think there's a freedom in that too, right? Like Dom, like, Every time I stop training from as long as I can remember, like last sort of 20 years, if I stop training, my mental health declines. Like I feel like lower self-worth and I don't know what to do with myself. And that's always been the case until this time. Yeah. I've, I haven't really been, you know, I've been doing little bits and pieces here and there. Like it's not like I'm zero, zero, but yeah. I've had no. But you're like doing a lot of things outside of it though. Yeah, but I've had none of that. You're doing like, a lot of things outside of training. Yeah, yeah. I've had none of that kind of mental lull because – I'm on purpose. I'm doing what, what I value most for whatever reason. Like it's a good thing. It's a freedom to know, like my self-worth isn't tied to, you know, training six days a week or destroying myself or feeling sore. Um, I think that's a, that's a good evolution. Like I feel for myself as well. Yeah. Sounds like you're getting a bit of I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's like the, this whole year has really, um, it's been a lot of deaths of me in this, in this whole year. It's, it's been really interesting. And it's, it's just made me assess so many things. Like even on Instagram, my Instagram slowed down a lot. Cause I'm like, I don't, I'm not, an, I'm not an authority. And the hell are you following me for? Like, I'm just, just trying to, just trying to live a life of enjoyment and doing those fun things. And I'm just going to share stuff that I do that I find fun and hope that it inspires you to try because this year you see so many people like there's only like two things they're worried about this year, you know. Well, obviously there's an, other people outside of like the people that do movement that are worried about a whole lot of stuff that's not even important. But two things everyone's doing is like, um, who am I and how, what is that business-wise, you know. So I see so many like trainers and, and coaches at the moment that are just like, putting all their time into one aspect of training or one aspect of, of coaching, slaying in and just losing so much time outside of experience and just for, just to make sure that their, their business is solidified in one aspect. And that's something that I was scared to get trapped into. And it's something that I started to remove myself from. Do you understand what I mean? If that, if that makes sense. I'm not sure how to quite word it. But it's like I think I know what so yeah. many people now. What's that? You're making, you're making this transition now to being a business owner and having other sources of income that takes you away from that fear of like 
having to be this guy to these people so that money comes in. Like you don't have that anymore of like, I got to keep being this guy for these people. Otherwise. Where exactly. But you're still that yeah, guy. You, you put it, you put it more simply perfectly there. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I, I need to be doing any of that stuff anymore. Like I don't need to, and, I, I, and to be honest, I'm tired of, of trying to be that guy, trying to, trying to do that. So that's why I find now branching out, being more, these businesses have been more grounding for me and has allowed me now to use my time more wisely in things I enjoy. I love it. Um, yeah, following you, following your truth. I, th- I, I also think there's a bit of an evolution there for like guys who are listening to this who may be like early 20s or whatever and they just get their business off the ground. They may need to go through that evolution that you've been through of like getting their clients of you know, putting a premium product out there, not being afraid to like to charge a, a solid price and get great feedback at that premium price. I think like all that evolution that you've been through puts you in a position now where you're like, yeah, I'm ready to play this bigger game. Like how does it look to, you know, to have a logistics network around Bali and then maybe even expand that internationally and, and work with some of these guys who are like high-end business dudes instead of, you know, the, the crowd that you're used to sort of um, being in like, Maybe for some people listening, you know, they, there's nothing wrong with being at that stage in the journey as well. Like, do you, do you feel like it's an evolution or do you think you should have just tried to do this a bunch, like a lot earlier and, you know, um, you just didn't know about it or, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, the way I should have done it, um, I probably would have been way more high ticket than I was because I don't even think I was that high ticket with what I... What, I, what I've come to learn and what I think most people should appreciate when they're starting out is that just because you made a product that only took you a little bit of investment or didn't take you much time to make, it doesn't mean that you should charge little for it because what the person's really paying for, and this is something I've always like stood by, over, and this is something I've stood by from the last few years that I've come to understand, is that when you charge a high amount for what you do. You, you should be doing that from the beginning because the person is not paying for that one thing that you were able to make in a few days or a few weeks. They're paying for all of the years of experience and effort you put in to get to the point where you can do that. So for me, somebody comes to me with a complex disease and in three days, I can write out everything and have everything calculated and done, but it's actually seven years that they're paying for that allows them to get that. So that's why I think for most people, like if you have something like that and you're selling it for a low price and just taking in anyone and as many people as possible, you're going to get to where I am now. It's like, I I, I can't be bothered with this anymore because you start to lose faith. You start to lose the patience. You start to lose the passion. So for those starting out, like know your worth, know the amount of time and investment that went in and be selective with who you work and who's going to give you. Don't be worried so much just financially, but be more focused on the caliber of person that's then going to help you get more people with the results that you're looking for. This is something I wish I would have done sooner because then now I, would, I wouldn't have wasted so much time with so many people. This is gold. This is really like... People need to rewind this back and just listen to that again. Um, I think there are, again, like I think there are certain people who are going to, like Ben Patrick, who want to just scale and they want to build a team 
and they want to turn it into a machine that, you know, and it depends a bit on the product as well, I think. Like what he's done, yeah, I it have does. a huge amount of respect for as well. But like his personality type, like he just loves like spending three, four hours a day just messaging people back on WhatsApp, all his customers, um, just going hard and hard. Like he loves what he does and he really wants to work a lot. Like he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't have those, you know, as many uh, other interests and hobbies. Like he's fully invested in that and having a team of, you know, he's got maybe 20 people working for him now. Like he may end up with 100 people working for him. Like I, I can see that for him. For me, every time I add a staff member, it's a headache. Like it's it's a really tough thing for me to, to run a team, to manage a team and to like, I don't think it suits me as well to build that big scale product. And we kind of hit the, that with Real Movement yeah. like recently. I, where- mean, I think it can be done. And I think what he's doing is great. Like like right now, I'm I'm we're, we're building a team and the team's growing. We've now got a big staff um, and all of that, but I've still got loads of time to do what I want to do. I guess it's, it's, it's the approach, right? Because I mean, for example, like, I guess it's personality. If I was Ben Patrick, okay, let's say I did this for five years and I did it at the rate he's doing it, spending majority of my time filming, developing programs, answering back messages, going to the gym and training myself. In that end of five years, I'd probably be a lot more financially better off and I'd have something to be really proud of. But then when it comes to me, my fear would have been, what did I miss out on in that five years? You know, did I go snowboarding in this beautiful mountains? Did I get barreled in Fiji? Did I swim with the sharks? Did I go hunting? There's five years of youth you just lost with so many experiences to be had. Uh, yeah, and I love to it. me, it's like you trust a bit. It's you've lost the time. You've lost the. What are you going to spend that wealth on? What are you doing? How much youth have you got left? And you know, this is something yeah. like what I was just saying about the 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 younger guys coming in as well. It's like, are you going to slave away in the gym, creating your image, creating your brand, and then you know, trying to meet everyone's needs and fulfilling everyone's um, clients' responses and such, and yet you miss out on so many experiences in life when you could work on a few number of people, give that gold, make the financial stability to, to allow you to play. And, you know, I've, I've had, I've had nearly, I've had nearly 900 clients and maybe half of that, if that were fully enjoyable and worth the time. Yeah. How many would you have now if you if you didn't if you had to go back and do it or if you couldn't do hunters for some reason and you started up again like what would what do you think your ideal number would be regardless of you know you make your price point match what your income needs to be but how many people would you like to be working with like is it five is it twenty is it so 50? N- next year I'm setting it at ten yeah ten is the maximum for the entire year and it's literally like you're getting interviewed for a job. <laughs> when you're gonna work with me but yeah. like i'm i it's it's the way it has to be like um you have to really screen people for their need for their willingness to to learn and for how they're gonna apply it to their life yeah i think yeah i think this is a really valuable lesson for coaches to hear because i do speak a lot about ben patrick and if you know people have been tuning into my stuff they'll you know they will have heard a lot from that perspective. Um, and I think a lot of people are trying to emulate Ben Patrick. What I've, what I've found and what I think a lot of people will find is that 
they're not they're not going to reproduce that business model. If there's a lot of different skills and abilities and a personality type that's suited to that business model. And then what we're hearing about here with Dom is like when you have the, all these other lifestyle goals, like I'm 99% sure if Ben was on this podcast with us, he'd be like, yeah, I don't want to go swimming with sharks. Like I love teaching people dunking. Like I want That's people- That's what he wants to do. It's, it's what he loves. <laughs> like he just freaking loves it so much that it's like there's no, like maybe at some stage you want to go to Fiji, but I'd say he'll be doing, you know, he'll be doing his business. Like he, he loves what he's doing. You know what I mean? At this point in his life, maybe there'll be changes with that. But like- I think, you know, for anyone listening, like it's, it's what is your, you know, what is your passion? What is your idea? What is your purpose? Who do you really want to work with? Who do you really want to serve? How do you want to serve them? And then if it's not feeling authentic, then run a new experiment, you know, like Dom's running this new experiment. Yeah, don't be afraid to change. Yeah, I've run a new experiment this year. Like I've lost so many followers, I'm sure, because I keep talking about money. But I'm like, if people are poor and I know about all this stuff and I'm not telling them, then I, that's not authentic to me. Like I'm researching this stuff. I know that there's some deep, you know, there's some serious yeah. stuff going on here. People are going to get wiped out and they're going to, they're not going to be any wiser. So I'd rather like <laughs> call off all these people who can't hear that and then bring in a few who are like, yeah, actually I'd, I'd like to not get wiped out by what's going on here. Like I wouldn't mind knowing about this stuff. I'd rather yeah. serve these couple than, you well, yeah, I mean, but there's, there's the few that are going to see the evolution huh? the, the, and the completeness of it. And like, I, I definitely see it. Like over the last year, the, the courses, the things spoken about and how it all comes together. It's like you can go to Real Movement now and it's like an encyclopedia of so many different things to, to help build yourself up physically, mentally, financially. It's, it's, it's been incredible to see. And I mean... I guess it's the same thing. I hope people are noticing the evolution with me now. You know, I went from this uh, being such a long in health and promoting that, and now like free in your life, doing lots of different things, hobbies, and getting into financial stability, getting into this, shifting and changing form as as the time goes past. But definitely. Um, I would have studied business a lot more before. I would have grown bonds rather than what I thought my image had to be and who I was. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's so much there in today's podcast. I'm really, you know, really super grateful of you uh, making some time for us there today. Uh, I'm sure that seeing this other side of, of Dom and Origins is, is one that people will appreciate a lot and resonate with. Um, yeah you're such a genuine guy you know chasing it building building the dream and you know i know that we're gonna you know our connection so far has already been uh you know really rewarding and and, and an enjoyable part of my life and, and i'm excited for you know what else is going to happen here because we we're both you know we're getting momentum and i think the more people along our lines that are getting some momentum you know, in terms of their social circles in terms of their finances in terms of their ideas you know, good good things are going to come of that. And there's never been a more important time to kind of, you know, go hard. Like I think anyone that's sort of listening to, you know, Joe Rogan and um, wanting to sort of just take control of their life and be more educated and 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 explore truth mm -hmm. and not be afraid of, of of doing something different. You know, like that's I guess the the people that we want to cultivate, the people that we want to be around and, and work together with. So that's a really a big part of the goal with Real Movement is like if you love all that stuff, then how do you get around other people like that who actually live like that and, and be able to mm -hmm. make that your social circle so it's not just 
something you watch at a distance on a podcast, but it's actually like in your life and, you know, local people in your community that are doing it as well. Um, that's really the, yeah. the vision and the goal. So I, I see us crossing over with a lot of stuff, um, Dom, and, uh, yeah, I really, really appreciate what you're doing, your decision to move to Bali. Now the impact that you're having, you know, on Bali is massive and I know it's going to, you know, keep keep reverberating out. I think today's podcast is going to change some lives in itself. You know, people just hearing that authentic message, having the courage to, to charge a high price if, if that's what suits your personality and the lifestyle that you want. You know, it's such a powerful message. Or build the business, you know, run the project. You don't have to have a, a massive report of, you know, how it's all going to go down. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as you can see, um, unlike nutrition, this kind of subject that I'm very new to, this uh, the many things stirring up inside me and how I'm living my life, um, it's been very hard for me to articulate because it's just, you know, it's been so much change, so different as like nutrition and training. Uh, it's all here and it's been years of doing it. This is so new to me that to really give words of wisdom on how the business is going and what I've done to get there and, and yeah, it's it's just crazy how simple some of these businesses have started here and how it's going. But, um, yeah, I find it hard to even articulate all of the changes right now. But I guess the main thing that I've been trying to do is, is experience more and create business that gives me time to really learn and continue playing. And this is something I wish I would have done earlier. It's like, and what I want people to understand is like, for example, I'm never going to be a pro surfer. I'm never going to be a pro skater. I'm going to be like the best rancher in the world or whatnot, but it's what I enjoy doing. And so it's what I want to give the most time to be able to do. Uh, I think more people should think like that more than worrying about all of these other issues, you know, create the stability that allows you to, to, to play and give you time. This is, this is the lesson that, uh, you know, Paul, the money mentor, his thing is like make the money so you have the freedom. Like the money is just a tool for space and it's exactly the reason that you're expressing there. Like he's almost a billionaire. Um, wow. He's, you know, he's amassed massive wealth, but he, but he only wants to make seven figures a year and he just invests it smart. So you can't help but become incredibly wealthy if you keep making seven figures a year and you know what's going to happen next with the economy and, and you, you know, you're on the, on the button with that stuff, you're going to become extremely wealthy. But he lives a simple life. He's a humble guy. Um, he calls himself a guy that goes around picking up horse poo. Um, he's, he's got a farm down in Tasmania and, uh, you know, he's just got these the values and it's been a good eye-opener for me because my tendency is like make another business, you know, make more money, like go, you know, if I could get to seven figures, then, you know, what are we going to do to get to eight? What am I going to do to nine? Like that's kind of how my mentality is and, and the way I've been indoctrinated, I guess, where he's like, well, how much time do you want to spend with your children? Like, how do you want to look back at what you've done there? And, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, we're home educating our children. Exactly. It's like at some point you actually need time for this. If you, yeah, you can start this project, then you'll probably make it work because you're going to go hard. But then, what, what, you know, what's going to happen in this on this side of things that you said you care a lot about as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good good advice. I love the wisdom that you're, that you're sharing there, like, how, how are we meant to be living? You know, what, what could you, you know, what would you change if you could change it? Keep answering that question and hanging around people who are doing it. And my experience is that it happens, you know, sooner or later. Like guys might be listening to this thinking, I'm so jealous. You know, Keegan's over there on, on Sark, on this little island that doesn't have any, you know, COVID stuff. And, uh, and, and you know, Dom's over there in Bali, like living the dream, surfing and skating and, and building it. 
don't be jealous. Like just make just make that next little step. Like just take that. You you know something that you should be doing, and sometimes that is just getting your training on or getting your diet on. Like that's how you build that personal momentum, that then you can start taking courage into your next project. And you know that's really what I love. Like I, I love seeing people, you know, take that next step of you know if I if I could have it however I wanted, you know how would I have it? You know, and answering that question. It just it leads you to places like where we are now, which you could not have imagined when we first were speaking three years ago. If someone had yeah. said, "Well, you're going to be on Sark," I'd never heard of Sark, and someone said, "You're going to be on Bali, and you're going to have, you know, yeah, maybe." Would you have wanted this if you if someone had said to you three years ago, like you're going to have a business that's like me, and you know, is that was that already on the radar for you of what you wanted yeah. to do three years ago? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I, I knew this was going to lead down eventually down that path I want, once in the carnival side of things when we first started speaking I was like yeah I got to learn more about this I've got to I've got to get involved in this somehow just never thought it was going to be Bali and never thought like while creating this business I'd also be able to be a beach bum like did not did not see that coming <laughs> yeah I my first carnival contact was um, Sean Baker's Rogan podcast. What, yeah. what was yours? What was the first you heard of it? Um, not by Brett alone. Um, Wilhelm Stefansson. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, that was the first I ever read about it. And also um, through metabolic typing, I'd come across it as well. People that were eating mostly meat because of their metabolic type. Yeah, but um, that podcast really stirred things up yeah. to like really start it. Yeah, you, you you probably I probably actually had the same ones. I read Metabolic Typing when I was in England, two thousand and five or something, and um, I did I was aware of the meat only diet, Stephenson, and I, I knew that it had been used medically um, somewhere along, but I'd never considered it as like something that I might do like. And as he's talking about this Arctic guy, like the first time I really considered it was listening to that. Um, listen to that, that one, yeah. And it was like the first time in five or 10 years that I'd come across that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's good. People having the courage, like think about how much crap he, he uh, had to deal with, you know, Dr. Yeah. And now like, now yeah. look at him, you know, like he's got a lot of friends now. He's got a lot of support. He's got good business going around what he's doing. Like, having the courage to just go all in Dr. Saladino as well, like being on Rogan now, like, you know, we've seen these guys from, from the early days kind of thing to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's, I find strange though. There's no unity though. No, no it's no unity. Unit. This is where the business gets in the middle of it. Yeah, I mean, I think they do have philosophical differences. I don't follow either of them as closely as I did, but they used to, you know, there used to be that bickering of like Saladino saying, you know, you need um, liver and, and you need the bone, you know, your bone meal and your bone marrow. Mm -hmm. And I think Sean Baker's thing was like, well, I only need steak and, you know, keep it as simple as you can. And, and I think they're just different philosophies of, I think I can help a lot of people by keeping this message really, really simple is the Baker thing. And then Saladino's like, well, what's the best possible way you can do this? Or this is my experience of going deeper on it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's, yeah, I guess there is a, have they ever actually had a conversation publicly or do they like, do they get on or not really? 
I'm not aware. The, the only thing that I'm seeing at fault is that, um, especially on social media and different events, none of these come together in the same place to spread information and share each other. Yeah, this yeah. is something I found very, very strange. Like, even if one of us, like, for example, myself, puts up a post with a client that just reversed four different autoimmune diseases and conditions of the body, they, they won't speak about it or share it, or, you know, because it's coming from somebody else's results. And I find this very strange. As I've always, I've always like, oh, he's saying this, this is good information, and he's put it in a way that people can understand. I'll share it. You know, if we go to an event together, I'll boost what you think, as and you boost what I think as well, because we're on the same page here regardless if I think you need this or that or ask specific protocols. But this is a, there's a bit of a division there, and I think it's business-related. Yeah, 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 fair enough. I think the more we can harness that, you know, that other systems, bigger systems sort of thinking and, and supporting other people's work. I know it's been one of the, the best thing that I've done for my business over the last couple of years is to support other people's work. You know, the more I do that, the better things seem to go Um for me you know so and it just makes life better as well like you it's just more enriching and more fulfilling like when you know you're helping other people Agreed. sometimes you don't know how it's gonna you know you think it'll maybe come around in some way in the end but it, you know you, you can't know so i think you just um it's better just to support what you believe in and one way or another it's going to work out like have that trust i think is seems to seems to work better than i could definitely fall back into the other mentality as well um, but it's been a significant shift over the last couple of years to try to promote other people's stuff a lot more and um, support other people. And yeah, yeah. But then that, that shows the other side in the world is uh, people are doing it more as look at me, I have this information, look what I can do. I, I know a lot rather than here, here's, here's the knowledge, use it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think there's. Um, some good stuff coming with open source learning and yeah, there's a lot of evolution going on at the moment in training fields, in nutrition, agriculture. Um, it's exciting time, exciting time to be alive. I appreciate you making so much time for us here, Dom. Uh, it was pretty much just uh, this morning, hey, you want to jump on a podcast? And, and here we are. So yeah. really, really enjoyed it. I appreciate your time. And um, yeah, yeah good to catch up. Do, let's do more of it again soon. For sure, sounds good.